Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. Well, 20 years ago, the movie The Princess Diaries came out. I don't know if you remember that movie or not. I told the story, fictional story, of a 15-year-old girl who discovered, found out that she was royalty, that she was actually royalty, that she was a princess who was in line for the throne in a country, a small country in Europe. And of course, then the, the movie is about her trying to learn how to be a princess. Lots of funny stuff in it. Now, how do you remember the movie? Okay, good, a bunch of you. All right, so that's what the story's about. She's trying to learn how, how does a princess think? How does a princess make decisions? What kinds of things does a princess do or not do? And so this idea of discovering that she was royalty, it was, so this, this movie wasn't about her trying to become royalty. She was royalty. It was about trying to learn what did that mean in her life and how does she live as royalty. Well, today's sermon has some things that are similar in concept to that. Not about royalty, although we could probably go there. Um, but some things that if, if what you're going to hear today, if it's new to you, it may be kind of like, wait a minute, it's hard for me to get my head around. That's okay, all right? That happens to all of us from time to time with the things of God, okay? But... Um, I want you to just take it in, and, and if, like I said, if it's new to you, this has the potential to really be transformational for you. And if you already know this, it's really good to be reminded of it and to, to be able to evaluate yourself again and say, where am I at with this in my life? So um, we're going to, starting today and going through the rest of summer, be in Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, okay? Now, Paul is writing to the Corinthians for a number of reasons, but primarily he's writing to them about a lot of problems that they have. A whole lot of problems. Here's a list, and this is, we could probably break it down into more. These 15 problems, carnal thinking, human wisdom, rejecting authority, sexual immorality, judging people, uh, low view of marriage, and on and on it goes, all of these kinds of, of issues. And he doesn't wait very long to start talking about it. By verse number 10 of the first chapter, and there's 16 chapters, verse 10 of the first chapter, he starts in on these issues, okay? Uh, and so we might think this, this is a negative thing. A negative letter, a negative, Paul has a negative view of the Corinthians. I mean, typically, if you can come up with a list of, you think of somebody, you come up with a list of here's what's messed up in their lives, do you tend to have a positive or a negative feelings about them, right? We tend to have negative feelings. But I want to show you something. In the verses that are just leading up to where Paul starts in on addressing the problems, here's how he talks about the church. He says, I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you. You were enriched in everything. The testimony of Christ was confirmed in you. You come short in no gift. 
You are eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. You're looking forward to the Lord's return. This sounds like good stuff, doesn't it? Would we like our church to be described like this? Yes, positive things. But this is said about a church with all these problems. Kind of seems almost like a contradiction, doesn't it? So, so what's going on here? Well, let's zero in on what Paul actually talks about the individual Christians in Corinth and us as well. Let's go to chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians. Page 1310 that's in the Bible under the chairs there. And if you don't have a Bible with you, we encourage you to find one of those in front of you there and, and pick it up and follow along. Page 1310. All right, verse number one of chapter one says, Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sosthenes, our brother. This is the way Paul often uh, begins his letter. He's, he's, he's saying, you know, he's establishing himself as I am speaking for God. Okay, I'm an apostle. I'm speaking to you on God's behalf. And then he mentions Sosthenes. This is kind of interesting because if we go to first uh, or to Book of Acts, chapter 18, when Paul was in Corinth and what was going on, we see that the Jews who were resisting Christianity um, tried to get Paul uh, in trouble with the uh, legal system. Okay, they brought him before the magistrate and the magistrate said, wait, this is a religious issue. Get out of here. I don't want anything to do with it. And it says that, that the, the Greek people there took the ruler of the synagogue, Sosthenes, and beat him. Now, we don't know, but it seems to me there's a high likelihood that this is the same guy. The rabbi who got beaten for trying to have Paul put in jail, I think probably came to Christ. Isn't that such good news? Isn't it good news that you came to Christ if you have? You guys don't seem so sure. Absolutely. This is us, right? I mean, anyway, so let's continue reading. He says, To the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all who in every place call on the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. But I want you to see something. When he says, with all who in every place call on the name of Jesus Christ. I think that includes us. We're in a different time, I know, but that includes us. So he's writing not just to the Corinthians, but he's writing to us here some 2,000 years later. And he says this, verse 3, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This was his standard way of greeting. All right, but let's talk about now, how does Paul see the individual Corinthians um, and us? Says, verse two, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints. Okay, let's make sure we really understand what this means. When he says sanctified, that word sanctified means to make holy. So when they received Christ, God did what? Made them holy. In Paul's second letter, he talks about this, how Christ came and took our sin and gave us his righteousness, his holiness. And so when people come to Christ, 
They are made holy. Holy is, is the idea of being set apart for God, but it's more than that uh, because it involves becoming like God, holy like God, which means there's no sin in holiness. Holiness is an absence of sin in a positive way. Not just a negative absence, but a positive righteousness. And Paul here says that you Corinthian believers, when you received Christ, you were made holy. But wait a minute. What about all those problems? What about all those things that aren't right? Paul starts off with, you were made holy. And then he says this, called to be saints. And and really the words to be are not in the original Greek language there. Uh, You can tell that in your Bible. It's probably in italics. But those words are there because they're trying to capture this word that's called. This is not, the word called is not like, well, we call you Bob, okay? Or Joe or Fred. It isn't like that. It's, It's more the idea of being called, a calling. And what he's saying here is, God made you holy. And you know what that means your calling is? To be saints. To be saints. And and saints means holy people. That is our calling. And, And God made us holy so we could be holy people. Now I want you to think about this. Every person who receives Christ as Savior is made holy, and therefore their calling is to be saints. Is this to, does this mean to become saints? Does this mean God has called us that we might become holier and holier and holier? No. This very clearly says, no, when we receive Christ, you are made holy. That means you become a saint, and I made up a word for this, that we have been sanctified. Okay, we have been made to be saints. And we look at Corinth and and we say, man, this seems, this is saints? (laughs) How how is this saints? Uh, And when I look at my own life, I don't have the same list that Corinth had. I got my own list of things, you know, deficiencies and places that I don't get it right and things that I struggle with. I got my own list. And yet God says that I am a saint. So hey, if you want to, when you go out and you want to invite someone to church, say, man, our preacher is Saint Walt. (laughs) But we are all saints when we come to know Jesus as Savior. We are made holy by him because he paid the penalty for our sins and gave us his righteousness. We are already holy. And, and, but when I look at my life, like I said, there's a struggle that, wait, doesn't seem, how can that be? What's the deal here? But you know what I kind of got to finally conclude? Is who am I to argue with God? I need to understand this. I need to try to understand what God is saying in his word and and how do I live that out and what's it mean? But I need to start with where God says things are. And that's where he says that I am a holy person. I am a saint. If you have received Jesus as Savior, you are a saint. You are the same. So what is going on here? How does this work? Let's take our Bibles and go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 
page 1359 in the Bible there in the chairs. We get some insight here into this, how God sanctifies us and then the process of uh, what goes on in our lives. 1 Thessalonians 5, starting in verse 23, says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. He who calls you, he who has called you to be a saint is faithful, and he will do it in your life. Man, do you know how important verse 24 is for every aspect of our Christianity? Amen. You know, we want to try to fix any of these things in our own strength and our own wisdom. We might as well just go bang our head against the brick wall here. No, God is faithful and he works in our lives to bring these things about. But let's look back up in verse 23 again. May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Okay? He talks about you as a whole person, that you would be sanctified. And then he says this. May your whole spirit, when he's talking about you completely, he says your whole spirit, soul, and body be sanctified, be preserved, blameless. So let's talk about this. Um, and by the way, not all Christians agree with uh, necessarily the perspective of what I'm going to share with you today, although they would agree with the intent of what we need to gain from it, Okay. But as I look at scripture and understand it, I see here when Paul talks about he, God wants to sanctify your whole being, and by that I mean your spirit, your soul, and your body, okay? And he makes those distinctions. Now, we tend to make a distinction between what is immaterial and material, right? We make a distinction between what's spiritual and what's physical. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 tells us that God in his word has also made a distinction between soul and spirit. Okay? So there is a difference. So let's talk about this. And I'm going to work on some locations with you here. Okay? When I'm over here talking about this stuff, I'm going to be talking about your spirit. And when I come to the middle, I'm going to be talking about your soul. And when I come over here this side, I'm going to be talking about your body. Okay? So let's talk about these things. All right, your spirit. This is, um, we might say it is at your deepest inner core who you are. Deep down inside, and I don't mean physically distant deep down inside, I just mean in your being, your spirit. It's your identity. It's where your, your basic nature comes from. And, and by the way, this is where Adam and Eve died when they disobeyed God in their spirit. Because you remember the story, we've looked at it a couple of times recently. What happens? God says, the day that you eat of that fruit, the day you disobey me, you will what? You will die. And they disobeyed him and they were standing there breathing and talking with him. Did they die? It's not a trick question. Did they die? Well, what did God say would happen when they did? When they disobeyed, they would what? die and so it is here in their spirit spiritually they died in their spirit they became dead to God and that's that's going to be important in just a moment 
You'll see why that really matters, okay? And that changed their nature. When we talk about people having a sin nature from conception on into birth and life, this is where it comes from, from a spirit that is indeed dead to God. Doesn't mean the person doesn't believe there's a God. They might. Doesn't mean they aren't religious. They could be. But they're spiritually dead from, uh, by nature. Okay, then we get to the soul, and the soul is where we think about our mind, our, our will, our, our choices, our emotions, our feelings, and um, this is where uh, we make decisions, and, and this is where we sort of see our personality that comes out, and our soul is, has a connection with our spirit, right? It can receive input from our spirit. In fact, when, when we are spiritually dead and we have a sinful nature, guess what our spirit does to our soul? It corrupts it, doesn't it? it? It pushes us toward things that aren't good. But there's a connection. Same thing when the spirit is made alive. We'll talk about it in a minute. It does something different. But then there is our body. And in our bodies, right, this is where we live. One author calls this our earth suit. You know, we need an earth suit to live here. And so that's, this is what we live in. So we might say, when we talk about who we really are, identity, we could say, I am a spirit. I am a spiritual being. I have a soul and I live in a body, okay? So Paul is saying, the Holy Spirit leading Paul to say that God's intent is for us to become holy, to be sanctified, to become holy all the way from the spirit to the end. Now, when Paul says, when you receive Christ, you were made holy. You became a holy person. You became a saint. Where did Adam and Eve die? How did they die? Physically? Not yet. No, did they die? No, they died spiritually. Well, the moment you receive Christ as Savior, you become alive here. So let's talk about it. It's in our spirits that we are born again or born of the Spirit. This is where God takes up residence in us when we receive Christ as Savior. It is in our spirits that we become new creations in Christ, brand new. It is in our spirit where we become holy. He's changed our nature at the deepest part of us. Okay, so let, let's go over a list here. It is our spirits that we are born again. We are born of the spirit. And it's in our spirits that we are already completely sanctified. It is in our spirits where we have already become saints. And it's in our spirit where we have all of the in Christ blessings. That we are loved. We are accepted. We are forgiven. We are blameless. We, are, uh, we, we begin to resemble our older brother, Jesus. Okay? And, and, uh, as the scripture refers to him sometimes. And all these things are already true in our lives. Now, do you feel like it's already true in your life? Sometimes, right? And other times, not so much. Pastor Dave has a great statement and I've used it with you too. What God says is always true, no matter how I feel. This is crucial for you in your Christian life, that you learn to live that way. What God says is always true, no matter how I feel. And he says, I'm a saint. 
I'm a holy person. And this is where it happened. It's in my spirit. Well, how does the soul work? What's going on there? Well, it's in our souls that we learn to think truthfully. It's in my mind that I go, oh, hey, I'm a saint. And, and I, I make a choice. We choose to believe, right? We choose to believe what God said in our souls. We experience emotions about life, right? We have the feelings that come and go and, you know, tell us that we need to look at this and pay attention to it. And, and I guess I could say this, in our soul, we are works in progress. We're works in progress. All right, so here we are. In my spirit, settled, done. It is my core identity and my destiny is settled. It is, it, I have no sinful desires deep down in my spirit. But sin has affected everything else and messed me up. And so therefore, in my soul, I'm a work in progress. I'm learning what's really true and I'm choosing to believe it and I'm choosing to act on it. All these things that God tells me because I'm a saint. Okay? All right, let's talk about our bodies. Um, in one sense, our bodies, our bodies have no morals. Our bodies like what feels good and don't like what feels bad, right? And, but yet we're to be in charge of our bodies and to tell what to do. Uh, but in, it's in our bodies that we interact with the world around us, okay? Because the soul and the spirit, those are inside of me. How do I get out to you? Well, I get out through my body. Okay? My soul tells my body, let's do this. So I interact with the world around us. I communicate with other people. We can witness to other people, right? With our words and our actions. We can serve one another with our bodies. We, we live out our faith in the world through our bodies. Our bodies do matter. But my body, your body, have you noticed that there is, uh, that the warranty wears out. And our bodies start to reach places where they break down because our bodies are still under the curse of sin and uh, the reality that uh, we will one day die, our bodies will die, we don't know when, but it's coming. But so it's, this is where our bodies are at. Our bodies, we carry out the will of God with our bodies, but the reality here, the Spirit of God in me, joined with my spirit, his life is now my life, his righteousness is now my basic nature and love and all those things. And then I got my soul, which has been really messed over by sin. That's a work in progress, changing. And then my body, which will, it's gonna die but one day it's gonna be changed. So let's, let's just look at the summary statements about these. Once we receive Christ as Savior, our spirits are fully transformed. Fully transformed. Nothing left to be done. Our souls are being transformed to become more like Jesus. And one day, praise the Lord, our bodies will be transformed to be like Jesus in the resurrection. A body that's free from sin any curse of sin. Now, let me just look. I want to make sure I don't forget something I wanted to say here. Right. Okay, so, as a saint, if I, so I start there, now, as a saint, I'm a saint, 
If you've received Christ as Savior, you're a saint too. And let me say this to you. If you're here or you're watching or you're listening a later time, um, if you have not received Christ as Savior, none of this is true for you. You're still over there on that side, spiritually dead, separated from God. And if you die in that condition, you'll be separated from God forever in hell. Which is why Jesus came. You know, he lived a perfect and sinless life. The Son of God dies on a cross, bearing the penalty for our sins, rising again from the dead. And if we will believe that and receive Christ as Savior, then we are born again. Our spirit comes to life and all this that we're talking about takes place in our lives and begins. So, once we, excuse me, as a saint, I understand that my relationship with Christ is already settled. For how long? Forever. It's already settled. This is my, in the spirit, all this that's happened, this is my core identity and it's who I am and what I am going to be for all eternity. All right? It's already settled. That's why Paul talks about them as saints, even though they aren't living like saints. They are, because their identity and their destiny is settled. And then another thing that's so important, does Paul say anything about, here's what you need to do, you're saved, you're Christians, here's what you need to do now to start working on becoming a saint? No, no, you are saints. Now, I know I've said that a couple times today. Try to let it soak in. You are saints, and what that means is that my relationship with Christ is not works-based in any way. What do you mean works-based, Walt? In other words, I don't have to do anything to earn it. You know, I've had a number of jobs over the years, and I've had those jobs, and I got a paycheck at the end of the week. I earned it, right? Well, we don't have to earn anything with God. He calls us saints and enters into a forever relationship with us. Now, doesn't that seem to have the potential for changing everything in your life? You might say, well, how? I'm not sure how that does it. Well, let me ask you, let's talk about this. How do you feel often when you think about praying? How many of you in here would say with me, you know, I think my prayer life should be more than what it is right now, right? And so we tend to think about prayer like that. But what if we thought about prayers instead? It's when I, on purpose, sit down, stand up, lay down, whatever. But all of a sudden I am consciously connecting with the God of the universe. And he's already taken care of everything that lets me do that. It's not works-based. I, I, I don't go to prayer. I'm trying to pray because so I can measure up for what God wants me to. No, 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 no. I go to pray because God has already accepted me. He's changed me already. And I'm, you know, I'm going to acknowledge that and I'm going to you know, share my heart with him and, and tell him, God, something seems not be right in my life because I don't want to talk to you right now. 
If I can be open with him, because what? Is my relationship at risk with him when I tell him what I really feel? Do you see how this begins to free you up in your relationship with God? You can be who you really are with God because it's not works-based in any way. You don't earn it. He already paid for it. All you got to do is just connect and be open and honest and let him work with you. Changes everything. And, and it's the key to growing and living as a Christian. This, this idea of a, a relationship with Christ that is settled forever. It changes everything. And, and so, have you ever sinned and then found yourself despairing, thinking, I'm never going to get it right? I can't believe I'm here again. Thought I learned better than this. Here I am again. And you start to think, maybe I'm not really a saint. No, no, no. What, what a world of difference this makes. Because if you view your life, your Christian life, as I got to keep trying to measure up. I got to keep trying to be good enough to, to be this Christian that God says I'm supposed to be. I gotta, and you're always failing and always falling short. That's in the Greek. But if instead I say, no, wait a minute. I don't have to measure up. Jesus measured up. And he gave that righteousness to me. Here I am. And so that's, the difference is, is when I'm always trying to measure up, I think the way I really am is this low down, no good, rotten, whatever, sinner. And apart from God, I guess that's true. But when I got saved, no, no, what I am now is a saint. Yeah, I did that. Why did I do that? That's not who I am. That's not the way I really am. That's the anomaly, not the norm. And I know sometimes in our lives, if we counted them up, it might seem like the norm. But we're what works in progress. Okay. Um, and it makes a huge difference how you view it. Think about this. Let's, let's just think real kind of, every now and then Paul says, this is a silly example, but let me give it to you anyway. So I'll do this thing. So let's say that the Super Bowl was coming around and uh, the Patriots were going to play the Buccaneers. Okay? And I get a call from Bill Belichick. He says, Walt, we're making you our starting quarterback for the Super Bowl. How am I going to feel? I haven't ever been there, right? I have no clue. I might throw the ball 30 yards real wobbly. I might get killed. I mean, I, all these things, right? Because that's, I have nothing that's prepared me for this. How does Tom Brady on the other side feel coming in the Super Bowl? He's already been there. He's already done it. He knows how it works. And I want to tell you that this is sort of the idea. When I think of, if I'm thinking I have to measure up to be a saint, it's like Walt getting put in the starting quarterback. I have no basis for that at all. Where in reality, what it's really like is being like Tom Brady coming to the Super Bowl because you've been there and you're, see, I'm already saved. I'm already sanctified. I'm already, all these things, God is working in my life. 
Does that make a little bit of sense? So it does change how you look at life and how you look at yourself and how you deal with the problems that come in your life, how you even deal with the dreams that come into your life, right? Start seeing yourself as who you really are. Yes, you desperately need the Lord. You always will desperately need the Lord. But here's what he's done in your life and here's what he's doing. So understand this. We are not sinners trying to become saints, okay? What we are is we are saints who are learning not to sin. Saints who are learning to think and live and love like saints. How would someone who is holy act here? How would someone who is holy think? How would, you know, someone who is holy, what, how would they process all of this and work through it? And if I say I'm a saint, then how would a saint live here? And... And I'm not just making this up. I want to show you just one passage in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 3. See what it says. Paul says, But fornication, which is sexual immorality, but fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints. Neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting for saints but rather giving of thanks, and he goes on. But I didn't include this to, to get this list of sins before you today. What I wanted you to do is that Paul seems to be saying, hey, when you look at your life, you're a saint, and guess what? This doesn't match being a saint. And this is not a question of whether or not you're a saint, you are a saint. And so we start thinking, what is fitting for a saint? What is appropriate for a saint? What, what wise for a saint? What's, because that's who I am. Do you know what that means I can do? When I think about my relationship with God and my walk in this world, and I can, anybody besides me can get all stressed about that, I can still go, wait a minute, wait, wait. Do it with me, ready? Let's try that together, ready? Ready? Nice big breath and relax. Isn't that nice? You can do that in your life because of what God has already done in your life. So in the movie, Princess Diaries, this 15-year-old girl, Mia Thermopolis, trying to learn to be what it was like to be a princess, trying to learn to think like a princess, act like a princess, what her priorities like a princess, thinking all that kind of stuff. She found herself faced with a choice. Am I going to do this or not? And in the movie, she decides to do it. But you understand, you are a saint. But you do have choice to make. Are you going to believe God? And then let that begin to transform how you live, how you think, and how you love? Or are you going to say, no, I, I don't believe it. I'm not a saint. Let me encourage you. Just make those decisions. Believe God. Yeah. Believe God. He says I'm a saint. The rest of my life says, nuh-uh. But he says I am. Who am I to argue with God? I'm going to believe what God says, and I'm going to keep working on it. I'm going to keep figuring that out. I'm going to keep looking to his word for his wisdom, for his power. I'm going to look. I'm going to believe it and, and live by it. And here's good news, really good news. Remembering that you're a saint 
and learning to think, live, and love like one will slowly but surely make you more like Jesus. And that's where God's taken all of us, isn't it? Good news. If you've never received Christ as Savior, this isn't true for you. And if you've got questions about that, please ask us. Or just write in your heart right now, say, oh God, that's me. I'm, I'm going to choose here to receive Jesus as Savior. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for this statement and how you, you look at us and how you talk about us all through Scripture. Lord, help us to embrace this truth. And, and I know we forget it along the way, but Lord, remind us that, wait a minute, this is not who I am. This is not what I really want to do. I want to be who you made me to be, the saint a holy person. And I do pray, Father, for anyone who is unsettled on that decision. Um, I pray that they would reach out and let us help them settle their relationship with you. And I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. One last thing. One last thing. I want you to know you're here today. You're watching. You're listening. Because this is true, if you receive Christ as Savior, do you understand that you cannot mess up so badly that you can ruin that? You cannot. No matter how far you've gone, no matter how far base, off base you find yourself, you can come back to this. Because God hasn't changed. And neither is his relationship with you. 